0: Is Trey Mann's Summer League breakout legit? Is there any concerns over Chet Holmgren's shooting struggle? Plus, Jared Butler deserves some love and everything else from Game 2 of Thunder Summer League.
1: You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Also follow me on threads at Ryland underscore styles. Email the show, Pod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel, we're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder falling to the Memphis Grizzlies, but Trey Mann has a legitimate breakup in Summer League. Chet Holmgren's shooting struggles, the turnovers, is it all being overblown? Plus, Jared Butler should be on a two-way contract, and a lot more from Game 2 of Thunder Summer League. This show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook app of Locked On. So check it out and make every moment more by visiting Fandle.com slash today to get started. So in this contest, the Thunder did not have Jeremiah Robinson or Keontae Johnson. They're both out for Salt Lake City with injuries. Did not have uh, J-Dub either. Uh, he sat out in this game. And then, of course, Casson Wallace cannot be in this game because he is not officially in the Thunder. The trade is not official until the 6th, which is tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. I would guess that it's probably the best bet to say that kassan Wallace will play on uh, Saturday in Vegas. But I, I guess technically, if the trade goes through in the afternoon, it can it can be tomorrow. But we'll see on that. So the Thunder roll out a starting lineup of Trey Mann, Jared Butler, Usman Jang, J. Will, and Chet Holmgren. The biggest story from this game to me is Trey Mann's breakout. We talked about Chet Holmgren's return to the court yesterday. We talked about kind of what this Thunder team looked like in summer league. And of course, Jada was awesome yesterday, but like Trey Mann, I think that this breakout is more legitimate and I can already hear the comments and hear you all screaming at your device, whatever you're listening to this on, which I appreciate about how it's just summer league, but like, Trey Mann specifically has looked terrible in summer league. The last couple of summers, like he shot like 26% last year in Salt Lake city. Like he, he, it's not as though Trey man routinely shows up and dominates summer league and then falls flat. He actually normally doesn't play well in the summer league session. And so that's why I think it's a little bit more real, but also it's beyond the box. These these are obvious high end stats for him and he's not going to put up 28 points, 24 points you know, he's not going to put up these numbers every night in the NBA, but it's about how he's getting to these numbers and, and how he is putting together these games that looks so repeatable for Trey man. He just looks more polished on both ends of the floor than he does a year ago. I think his confidence is truly back and it's truly in a good spot. And I, and I hate to speculate necessarily on like confidence and stuff because we don't know these guys. Like we don't know if they're truly lacking confidence or not. He just looks more sure of himself on the court, more decisive with what he's doing, more comfortable on the court. And if you go back to Monday's podcast where we preview summer league and talk about, you know, what was expected and what to watch for and everything else. The biggest thing to watch for was can Trey man cash checks? Because even last year where, where his play fell off and it was concerning he still got to his spots fairly well. He was still good at finding openings, finding ways to create opportunities to score. The ball just wouldn't go in. But these last two games, the ball's gone in for Trey Mann in a big way. And, and what even adds more validity to it a little bit is that, you know, Trey Man oftentimes has not been able to stack success. Like maybe he has a really good game here and then has another couple bad games and a good game. And so that that stacking of success was encouraging to see from Trey Mann as well. And so with Trey Mann, he goes 10 for 14 from the floor. He goes two for six from three. Four rebounds, two assists, a steal, two blocks, 28 points. The ability to get by his defender really stood out in this game to set his defenders up and break them down, his range from 3, the offense looks really good. But I think that lost in the in the 25-28 points you know these last couple of games has been his defense. His defense in these two games was much improved from where it had been in the NBA. And again, it feels very repeatable because it's it's not as though he's like turning into like Lou Dort or some like great isolation defender. It's just the little things that he's doing. He's switching very good. He's getting guys placed in position and helping communicate defensively. And he's staying attached to his matchups hip very well. So just the tracking stuff that he's doing defensively is good and does feel real because again, it's not as though he's facing off with some lesser competition and shutting them down holding them to, 0 for 10 shooting in isolation. He's not doing that. And and if he was, that'd be, you know, honestly more concerning or more dismissive because he's not going to do that at the NBA level. The stuff he's doing here on both sides of the ball, but particularly on defense, that's going to be his role. If he ever does click and ever does figure it out at the NBA level, that's going to be his role. He's going to be tasked with switching off ball, making sure that guys are in the right position and making sure that they're all right out there. He's not going to be put on an island to defend. And so being able to do that, And whenever the ball gets swung his way, holds its own, stays in front, good footwork, like that stuff is and does feel more real. And the question now becomes, like, a couple of them do. One, it's just two summer league games, who cares? I think that we've kind of addressed that these last couple of podcasts, so we'll move on from that question. The other question becomes, is it too little too late for Trey Mann? And I honestly think, Despite this being the boring answer, I honestly think that it's too early to, to judge either either direction. For a lot of different reasons, I think that we, you know, you look at the Thunder roster and we see like, oh my goodness, they have four cuts to make and trying to trying to pick it all right now. I would just again refer to what Sam Presti has said because everything he said to this point has came true. So I don't think that this is any different. From the beginning, Sam Presti has talked about whenever this rebuild started and really started, he talked about how they want to build a team that every year training camp and the internal competition within it is you know stressed and is important and is really good because guys are fighting to be part of this group on the other side. And he said flat out, not everyone is going to make it, but at every turn you see the Thunder put an emphasis on internal development and internal competition. And so I think that Trey Mann, what he's done in summer league has bought him enough to earn a ticket to that competition. He's earned a ticket to training camp, in my opinion, and he can fight for his job in training camp. And if he keeps this up, you have to remember that if he plays well for however many more games he's going to play, I'm not sure how many he's going to play from here on out. But if he if he keeps this up in summer league and he keeps it up in you know training camp and in preseason, you have to remember that like guys for train men like that that are former first round picks, they have a lot more legs to them, more juice, more leash to them from the organization because you've invested that first round pick in them. And so I think whenever you mix his showing in this setting in summer league this year with his rookie season. And the fact he's a former first-round pick and and, and yada, yada, yada. That he's shown enough to not only warrant himself an opportunity in training camp to make this roster, but even if it's too late for this Thunder roster, because the roster crunch is so severe, because you have to cut four players, I think he's earned himself the opportunity somewhere else. Because someone's going to have to get cut, someone's going to have to be gone, but i think that another team either via a very 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 small minute trade or just giving him another shot outright if he's cut that he'll get that because you're seeing the flashes you're seeing some of the good stuff that he's doing and i think that this breakout is more legit than what we typically see from a third year you know guard like we, we being a third year guard in the summer league you have to play well or else that's a really bad indictment but Sometimes we can cast aside their, their you know, explosions on offense because of the qualifiers of how it's summer league. I don't think that that's the case with Trey Mann. Again, these are high-end numbers. The numbers will come down in the sense of just the raw you know, 28 points. That's going to come down in the NBA. That's not going to be him in the NBA. But the efficiency and, and, the, and the pathway to points, I think, is legit from Trey Mann. Coming up, let's talk Chet Holmgren. A lot of you are concerned about his offense. Is that warranted? We'll talk about it coming up, but first, want to tell you right now, my good friends over at FanDuel, folks, FanDuel is great. It is the official sports book of Locked so make sure that you check it out because it's America's number one sports book. And what you should do is go there because FanDuel, you can get ten times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to two thousand dollars if your first bet, uh, uh, you know, doesn't quite hit in bonus bets back uh you can actually get that win or lose uh that's right you get you get to bet you know tw- 20 bucks in the sports book and then boom you'll land 200 bucks in bonus bets win or lose if you go there right now uh with the FanDuel sports books, so this is actually a really great deal by going to uh, fanduel.com/lockdown that's fanduel.com/lockdown you can get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet does uh win or if it does win either way uh, it's $200 uh, in bonus bets. So check it out today at Fanduel.com slash lockdown because, folks, you can bet on Major League Baseball. In fact, FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. It's a lot of fun to go over there and bet on. We can even check out a game. So you want to get that 200 bucks by depositing uh, you know, your, your money at FanDuel slash lockdown. We can live bet on some of these games happening right now or bet on some games that happen tomorrow like the Reds and Nationals. The Reds are a run and a half underdogs on the road in Washington. Hey, how about, how about the Reds? Let's jump on them. They're pretty hot, aren't they? Uh, So tune in right now or go to Fando.com slash locked on.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first lesson every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Folks, Chet Holmgren. Offensive struggles. Are they real? Are they overblown? What's happening? We're going to talk about that. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. You every day or listen every single day. Thank you. Subscribe to the pod anywhere. get your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Follow the uh, show on Twitter. Hello, Thunderpod, and in on threads at Ryland underscore styles. And we got a lot going on. We're going to recap this Sixers game tonight. We're going to recap the Mavericks game over the weekend. Monday, we're going to set the expectation level for this team because I am very excited about what we've seen over the course of Summer League. But right now, we're going to dive into Chet Holmgren's offensive struggles in this one. So overall, overall, he is 0 for 5 from 3. Uh, I should say in this game, uh, he was 0 for 4. Last game, 0 for 1, 0 for 5 from 3. All of his shots are short. We have to remember, Chet Holmgren has not played basketball in a year. At a competitive professional environment, and I keep thinking back to, at the All Star break and at the All Star events. Whenever I was there in Salt Lake City, the altitude was legit. I asked Jalen Williams about you know their first game being in Utah after the break, if you remember, um, and, and, and J Dub telling me that the altitude is no joke and that it was difficult and they have to be prepared for it and have to be ready for it. And that was you know playing it in a Rising Stars game, and so I think that that is a undersold compartment of this like obviously he's not in 100% ready game shape in the NBA after having you know a year off but he's also going to do this with and against the altitude which is which is another wrinkle in into this whole sphere so as far as his jump shot his legs are going to get back into it his rhythm's going to get back into it and i am not concerned in the slightest i have a Billion clips on my phone of Chet Holmgren at practice, at shoot around, in warmups, nailing threes. In fact, I have a hundred clips of him nailing shots on a scooter. He shot 40% from three in college. I think that we can agree to relax because as that jump shot and as he gets in shape, it is going to be fine. His handle is loose and it's especially loose whenever he's trying to create a bucket for himself. He does look a bit loose, a bit rusty. I will say two qualifiers for this. Number one, he's not going to be right away in ISO score at the NBA level. So that alleviates some pressure there. I think that whenever you add playmakers like Josh and Shea uh, and the rest of this team, he'll get a lot better offensively because we be put in better positions. And I'd also say we got to remember in Summer League these guys are being aggressive for a multitude of reasons. Number 1, hey, you're a former number 2 overall pick. You have all the hype. If I can make a play against you, then it's going to it's going to stand out. Also, not only that, you have 10 fouls in Summer League per game. No one's going to foul 10 times in 40 minutes. So who cares? You can be as aggressive and as, you know, just demonstrative and disruptive on defense as you want to be because you're going to get away with away with some of it and whatever you don't get away with it doesn't matter because you're in no risk of foul trouble in 40 minutes you're not racking up 10 9 or 8 fouls so you're not going to get in foul trouble you're not going to put yourself behind the eight ball in terms of foul trouble in summer league if anything you're going to be aggressive get away with it and look even better for your potential case of you know, earning a, a spot, earning a job in the NBA. So I think we have to remember that too when we're talking about Chet's turnovers. He'll be put in a better position by Josh and Shea and them. And in the real in the NBA, there's a lot of different factors. Number one, you can't be as aggressive because you only get six of them. Uh, number two, okay, if you want to just be obnoxiously aggressive and, and doubling and, and sending help to Chet, do it, because that means you're taking guys away from Shea. You're taking guys away from Jadw. You're taking guys away from you know. It's pick your poison at that point. So he'll be in better position to score at the next level yeah, at the at the NBA stage. I think that if you go back and watch this game, you'll see many times where he makes excellent rolls to the rim. He makes excellent cuts, and the guards just can't find him, or can't give him the ball, or don't want to give him the ball, or aren't looking for him. And that's going to change because if he was hit on every single time, you had a good roll to the basket, the box score looks better. The product looks better. And we are freaking out about how incredible it is to have Chet Holmgren with this team offensively. So I'll grant you, it's a lot of turnovers. I'll grant you the shot is short, but I don't think it's worth freaking out about. And not because it's Summerlee because, hey, he needs to get into game shape. You can't do that in a two-game span, especially facing the altitude. You cannot simulate anything close to NBA basketball. You know, he got cleared for five on five full contact, you know, around exit interviews, whenever he said that on his exit interview. So, like from then till now, you can't simulate NBA basketball. Try as you might. This is the closest thing to it. And he he looks winded at times. He looks like a shot is short at times, obviously, even around the rim. But I'd also point out he went four for four at the free throw line, which is also a good indicator of shooting touch. So I don't think he's magically lost it or magically no longer has an ability to score or to shoot. So I'm not concerned about that, especially whenever you flip it over on defense. He truly looks elite defensively. And the fact he's at that stage already with all those other qualifiers we mentioned for his offensive game is a bit insane. His natural instincts are there. His his rim protection is there. The help side stuff is just truly wild. And what is the most encouraging part to me is how versatile he can be as this roaming free safety type. But also I think that whenever you put him in position as a lone big, he will look even better than he he even does right now on defense, which is a scary thought for the other team. He's blocking shots at the rim. He's blocking three-point jumpers. Like he, he is just, you know, so good on that end that I, I, I am very comfortable in saying from day one at his position, he will be in the upper half, top end of the league at his position defensively. He looks really good, he looks really strong defensively. And he finishes with 10 points, 11 rebounds, and assists, two steals, three blocks, three for eight shooting, 0 oh for four from three, has not hit a three yet in summer league that spinning jumper, which is nice. He had a nice step-through move also, which I, I think he fell short on a, a step-through a, a bit, but still the step-through in general was nice and is, an, is a way for him to create a shot for himself that we saw him pull off on Monday. But Chet Holmgren is going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay with Chet Holmgren. I, I think that from what you saw the last two games, and from what you heard him say about how, you know, if you if you brainwashed him and, and, and made him forget the injury, he f- he feels physically as if the injury never happened. He's checking every single box of his rehab as he's done the entire way to this point. He's just checking off another box. And so everything points to him not only proving to you he's an elite defender, but also it looks like he's he's gonna get back to that top end potential of his despite the injury, which was a concern and and, and it no longer feels like a concern because of how, how he's been able to do that, do it so far in Salt Lake city. Let's talk Usman Jang. He started out slow, but the give and go dunk with J was awesome. Him in transition has always been good, both as a rookie and and, and this one still, he's still a really good defender. That, that defense is already there for him. Two blocks. uh, He had six rebounds. He had two assists. He shot 50% from the floor, one for four from three, uh, he can truly overwhelm guys on the perimeter. I will say we, we, you still want to see him get better kind of sticking his nose in it and, and, and and being somebody who wants to get in on the action in the half court offense. But I think that that second half, he was much improved. And so he was, he was not good at all. Uh, Monday came into this one, had a little bit of a slow start, but overall played a lot better today and just keep building on that for a guy who is so young and who we knew going to be a project at the end of the day. Like we knew this was going to be the case for Usman Jang. And so I think even now, you know, with a whole rookie season and with, um, two summer league games of his, of his next season, he has still played to expectation. He hasn't played over expectations. He hasn't played under expectations to me of what we thought he was going to be on draft night last year. And, And as a prospect, he's, he's been really good defensively. He's shown flashes offensively, but still has a lot to work out and he's going to continue to grow at such a young age. So I I think that with Usman Jang, it was encouraging to see him make a bit of an adjustment in the second half. Coming up, let's talk Jared Butler. Let's talk Jay Will. Let's talk Jaden Shackerford and the new rules. Plus, the Thunder lost this game to to Memphis, who's the MVP of the game, and more. Coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama.
0: We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder Basketball. For your next listen, folks, go check out the Lockdown NBA Podcast for the national perspective on all that's going on in the National Basketball Association. So go do that. Subscribe in we get your podcast from to our podcast. Follow me on Twitter and threads at Ryland underscore styles. And let's talk Jared Butler. He came out on fire, finishes three for seven from three, six assists against one turnover, a block, four rebounds, 45% from the floor, 16 points. He worked really well on ball, worked awesome off ball, and he showed up defensively. He showed up in a big way defensively. And so you know that I'm biased toward Jared Butler. I think he's really good. I think that he can be a player uh, who really helps OKC. And I think that the help might get a bit muddy, I think that when you look at Jared Butler and when you look at this team, you now get three two-way contracts on a team who, who already has their roster chock-full of guys who you think should play minutes. Think in your head about the guys who you would advocate for Mark playing next year. How many names deep is that? Okay, so when you look at Jared Butler and you factor in what he can bring the, the stability and the talent to the Oklahoma City Blue to help nurture some of these young guys, with the blue, as well as being young, young himself, along with, in a pinch, what he can bring to the Thunder if, if needed as a two-way guy. There are not very many better options than that. Because, look, if you are having to rely on a two-way player in Mark's rotation not named Keontae Johnson, something's gone pretty wrong, e- e- either 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 developmental-wise or injury-wise. And so if you do get to that point where you need... A Jared Butler, or insert any other two way that's not named Kathy Johnson uh, here. Then, are there any other options you'd rather call on in a pinch than Jared Butler? And so, I think that all those things add up to where what he can help with the blue while you send guys like Kathy Johnson down there, while you send guys uh, to the blue, like we've seen, we've seen how Mark and uh, this organization will shuffle guys to the blue. There's probably not a better option out there in a two way deal than Jared Butler for the Thunder specifically for a team who who we know utilizes the 2A, who we know rely on the 2A and want to maximize the 2A and want to um, develop the 2A. They've done it at a, at a very good clip to this point, but they have their guy that they're developing on the 2A deal. They have Kante Johnson on that 2A deal. How many more chances do you think a non kante Johnson player on a 2A deal will get at the NBA level? Barring injury, barring something disastrous happening, happening developmental-wise, which I can't even foresee. So it's really just barring injury. So barring injury, how often are you can even then even call in another two-way guy. So now you're just focusing on what they can bring to the blue, what they can bring to your organization at that level. And I think that Jared Butler's stability as a ball handler, uh, and in the pick and roll can really help the guys. You're going to be relying on him to develop in the blue to develop, um, next year. So I'm excited for him. He had a really good game, game tonight. I think he shows you why he should be that two-way guy and, and, and brought back on that two-way spot and the organization, uh, Likes Jared Butler, They brought him in last year, and I think that he'll be back, hopefully, on a two-way deal. Let's talk Jay will I, I glowed about J-Will yesterday, I'll do it again today. Love his positioning, love his activity on both ends. Jay will just does a lot of stuff really good. And Thunder fans will like him a lot more than people nationally will. And respect him a lot more than people nationally will. Because we see it. We see all the really good stuff he does on a night-to-night basis, but he doesn't do anything elite. He doesn't do anything great besides drawing charges. That is elite, but like his, his, his playmaking at his size is awesome. You know, the activity on both ends, the, the, the positioning defensively, his ability to contest at the rim, despite not swatting a ton of shots. Although in this game, he had three blocks, which was awesome. That chase down block was awesome. Like he just does everything really good. And, and, and I hate to use the crutch of like the camp and Nick Collison, but it's the same type of thing where like, Jay will impacts the game that that at a level where you can't understand by looking at a box score or advanced metrics or stuff like that you have to really watch the game to see how much Jay will impacts things because four rebounds three assists a steal three blocks you know you have to watch the game to see what he does and and one of the bigger things that he does is communication and i've talked about that since uh, you know covering him in the g league you know, whenever you're sitting in the g league Arena. And you're seeing at the score stable and there's nobody in the building besides on field trip days which don't even get me started on those but in general night after night there's nobody in there jay will communicating will give you a headache because he's so loud and he and he's so into the game that like he, he you can hear him on the broadcast screaming and talking the whole time so the communication he provides this you know the, the kind of anchoring he provides defensively like the stuff he does isn't going to get written home about nationally but he's just really good. Like He's just really good and a really good rotational piece for the Thunder. And he deserves some shout out here. Jaden Shackelford, really bad defensively. And that's what holds him back, honestly. like Even in the G League, he's he's, bad in the, he's 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 not good defensively in the G League either. And that's what holds him back. He's a really good shooter, two for four from three. Really awesome shot, uh, shooter in game one as well. But if you're wondering and, and watching him and you're wondering, like how can a guy who shoots this as well not get an NBA chance? A defense is going to be an Achilles heel for him. I do want to highlight him not because of the two for four shooting, but the flop warning, the flop warning technical. I've called games in college as a play-by-play guy um, with them, with this rule in play. I like the rule. It's, it's, it was the wrong call here. And this is where it's going to start to um, get a bad reputation It's because your first experience with it is a bad one. So now the rule just sucks, but when implemented the right way, I think it's a really good rule, and I think that it's a rule that should stick. But again, this was a very bad use of it because Jaden did get doubled in the face. Uh, it it wasn't a floppy; he, he got clobbered in the face, uh, and so it, it, it optically it's not great. But a guy who got doubled in the face is called for a flop. But in the big picture of things, having called games uh, and, and experienced games that have this flow of like the flop tech, it's fine. It's going to be okay, and I think it's going to be a, a rule that is good if they go to it on a permanent basis. So the Thunder. Once trailed by 16, they only grew a two-point lead. There was five lead changes, two ties. The Thunder had a strong end of the first half, which I thought was going to propel them, but then it ended up not propelling them at all in this game in in the sense of the the second half. They came out a bit sloppy, kind of turned it back on in the middle of the third, and then Memphis eventually got control. Uh, OKC lost the rebounding battle by six. OKC had way more turnovers again in this one, 18 turnovers for OKC in this contest. The Thunder won points in the paint. They lost second chance points by 10 points. Uh, they lost fast break points 13 to 4. And off the bench, Memphis had 21 points. OKC had seven. And on those turnovers, like the big kicker here for why Memphis won and Utah didn't, Memphis had 29 points off of OKC turnovers. The Thunder shot 47, 29, 78. Memphis shot 40, 44, and 77. Uh, and you, you could tell, I think, that they missed that steady hand of J-Dub in this game. You, you mentioned whenever games get sloppy and games got the game got boggled down at times tonight, you, you missed having J-Dub out there in this one. So up next, we're going to recap the Sixers game. We're going to recap the Mavs game. Monday, we're going to set the expectation level for this team, plus take your mailbag questions. So drop them below, uh, below on YouTube and Twitter and threads everywhere else. Drop your questions. MVP of this game? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Trey Mann. So until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.